You're listening to Firm Up, the fermented food podcast, where we get together every week to discuss anything and everything fermented. This is episode 65, and this week, Allison and I have a special guest on today. It's uh, Nicole Easterday, founder of Farm Curious. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. So what is this Farm Curious? (laughs) Well, Farm Curious is a company I basically started out of desperation for two reasons. I was starting to get really into this thing that I playfully call urban homesteading, although let's be honest, it's not true homesteading. And uh, I was raising chickens and I was starting to can and pickling and fermenting in addition to, to regular vinegar pickles. And I realized that to get every piece of that, I was going all over the place. So I'd have to drive, you know, 30 minutes to get chicken supplies. I was ordering cheese making supplies online. You know, I was kind of going everywhere. So I realized there was a need to, to integrate all of those pieces. And this was actually about five years ago now. There are a lot of companies that have started to integrate it, but I was kind of one of the pioneers in that movement. Okay. So it's a business that does, uh, that actually uh, sells products. Are these sold locally, nationally? Is it an online thing? Yeah, both. So the, the tagline is to educate, inspire, and equip the urban homesteader. And the education part is mostly local, although we're starting to do virtual um, classes. So I teach classes in the, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, but pretty soon, we're going to have some virtual classes available. More on that. And uh, as far as selling products to get people started once they understand the concepts, we have an online retail store. So farmcurious.com is where all of the retail items come together. But to make it more locally focused, you know, that's mostly for people who live in faraway places who just don't have access to the amazing things we have in the Bay Area. But locally, we set up a shop at... Uh, at, uh, at events like celebra- uh, Sunset Magazine Celebration Weekend, the Eat Real Festival in Oakland, um, Maker Fair, we'll be at Maker Fair next weekend. So local events where people are coming and trying to be inspired and learn how to reconnect with their food. That's awesome. So then what kind of um, these workshops that you do, uh, what, what kind of things do you cover? Sure. Um, our most popular classes right now are cheese making. Um, you know, it's so funny. I actually, I was on another radio show and I, I kind of summed it up for them like this. I said that, uh, you know, when I first started this business, it was all about canning, you know, can you make jam? What can you do with jam? How do I not kill my friends and family? And then the, the, that lasted about two years. And then the next two years were cheese making, really heavy cheese making. Everyone wanted to make mozzarella. And then they realized they could make even more awesome things pretty easily. Um, and it, it's funny. So I t- still teach a lot of cheese making classes, but I feel like last year and this year are the year of fermentation. So people are getting so excited about fermentation and, and probiotic cultures and, you know, it, it's really hot right now. So I do teach a kimchi class, which is all kimchi. Um, we talk about fermentation in general, but we, we also make kimchi and focus on the different ways you can do it. And then I do a general fermentation class, which if you're a fan of Reddit, no one else gets it. But on Reddit, there's a there's a little meme and it's a guy holding a broom or something. And so the class is called Ferment All the Food. And it's got the little meme guy. Totally not funny unless you're <laughs> unless you're a total nerd. Sure. <laughs> I won't be offended if you guys don't laugh. Um, <laughs> but the that class is based on um, 
this this Kickstarter kit that I have going, and it's it's basically where you can throw any produce into a mason jar and add a brine solution. I mean, this is no no secret to most of your listeners, and ferment that to make something tasty and very accessible to people who haven't fermented something before. So then I want to get into the Kickstarter project more, um, and we'll kind of uh, get into that soon. But you mentioned your kimchi workshop, and I had noticed that. Is this this kimchi mania workshop? Is that correct? That's the one, yeah. What is this, uh, if it's not too much of a reveal, what is this kimchi cocktail? (laughs) It's not too much of a reveal. I actually have a couple of kimchi cocktails that I've developed. And if you make kimchi, you know that like part of the amazing part of kimchi is the juice that's made. Um, You know, you you pack the cabbage in and you get a lot of the moisture out, but you still have this amazing juice. And it's very tasty, but it's kind of intense to just drink straight. So I I make a Bloody Mary cocktail, which is, you know, a natural, obvious fit, I think. A little bit of spice, a little red color, um, and a little sourness. You know, most people already put olives or pickled green beans or something in in a Bloody Mary. So that's very natural. Um, not much of a stretch for people. However, the really exciting drink that people are so surprised that they actually enjoy is a uh, kimchi margarita. And it sounds a little weird, but it's, it's phenomenal. It's actually, I, I like to make it with grapefruit. I understand there are some people who don't like grapefruit, so you could alter it. Um, and then fresh orange juice. And I have an orange tree, so I'm very lucky here in California, but we squeeze the oranges fresh for the class and then um, the kimchi juice and tequila, obviously. And we actually infuse the tequila with, um, with some of the leftover kimchi juice. So it, it infuses for weeks. And then, and then you strain it. When you pour the tequila, it's this amazing concoction. And it doesn't taste like a weird hippie drink. You know, like, <laughs> I feel like some people, when they hear you're putting something weird like kimchi, you know, homemade bubbling fermenty stuff into a cocktail that you're trying too hard, but it doesn't taste like that. It's amazing. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it really is. And I, I don't mean any disrespect to hippies. I am one myself, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to appeal to this, this crowd that really, you know, the Bay area is full of people who came from all over the country, all over the world. And there are people who haven't been exposed to fermentation and it's, it's really important for my business to make it accessible. You know, from the beginning, I didn't want to be a big farm store where you could come and buy straw. You know, I, I my concept is kind of exactly what William Sonoma stole. <clears throat> didn't hear me say that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's taking those concepts and making it appeal to people who maybe wouldn't have thought of it before when they thought it, it required dirty farm boots. So then do you do much for the, say, advanced or, or non-beginner fermenter? I mean, do you offer things – because the kimchi cocktail, that, that was, that's a new description to me. That doesn't seem like it's only for beginners. What do you do, if anything, for, uh, for, for non-beginners? Yeah, that's a great question, and no one's asked me that, which I think is crazy. Um, it's actually interesting because when you run a business like mine, my target audience, just to be straight, is people who are very, very beginner. It's saying, look at this thing. It sounded crazy when your grandma did it in the basement, but it's actually it's actually not. It doesn't have to be that way. But because I run this business, I personally attract a lot of people who aren't beginners, you know, who are, 
who are fascinated by my business model, they already know where to get a lot of stuff, but they like me and they like what I'm doing. So, and, and I can't serve a lot of those people very well. So what I started doing, and it was basically pushed by a lot of my friends who are interested in what I did, um, was having exchanges. So I do a holiday party every year where, you know, new people will come and, and meet interesting characters, but also the real seasoned fermenters and farmers cheesemakers will come and, and bring their things to share. So we'll do swaps. We'll do, um, we'll do some, some lessons where actually I'll recruit some of those people who are a little more seasoned to, to talk about, you know, what they're doing and how it's fun. Um, but that's the best way I found to integrate those people. We're actually working. I don't know if I should even say this, but we're, we're working on a network, um, where a lot of those people can come together and help each other. So, um, so that's kind of how I've how I've brought that community together because you know they're not going to buy a cheese making kit they already know what they're doing and and how to get all the pieces but they they love getting together with people who are like minded and sharing recipes and swapping jars of things do do a lot of the people who um, have these expertise or have been fermenting for a long time do they also contribute and help teach um, the classes or are you just doing all of the teaching yourself? They do. When I first started out, I was kind of doing this business on a shoestring on the side. I had a, a media job based out of New York that was pretty intense. And so I was spending weekends, you know, putting things together and taught classes here and there, small ones um, on the weekends. But then once the business started taking off, I realized I can't do everything. I'm only one person. And I know a lot of things fairly well. Um, but, but only a couple of things really in depth. And so what I started doing was, um, was recruiting other teachers. So I use Luella, the, the SF milkmaid who teaches some of my advanced cheese making classes like blue cheese. And, uh, we have this really popular bloomy rinded cheese class where we make like a brie or camembert style cheese. Um, I also, I don't know if you're familiar with Sean Timberlake from Punk Domestics. Probably a lot of your listeners are. He runs a, a platform that pulls together people who make food of all different varieties, you know, canned food or, uh, or fermented food, and they can submit their blog posts to his, to his website. And so he's kind of, um, he's this amazing a connector of people. And he teaches uh, some classes for me. He's done some cocktail infusion classes, and he's also going to be teaching a sausage making class this summer. Um, and then I also have a good friend who is um, was a Google chef for a long time. He actually started the 100 Mile Cafe, and he teaches a sausage making class as well that's much more advanced than anything I could do. So I am pulling together people who know a lot more than I do to teach some of the more advanced classes. Now you also mentioned with these the workshops uh, doing some online stuff. We've we've talked about uh, doing some of those kind of things as well. What are you doing in that in that space? So this is brand new. You mean as far as teaching things online? Yeah, yeah. So this is super brand new, and we don't even have the the finished product yet. It's offered as a reward in the Kickstarter, which is a good is a good reason to get on get on the ball. So I have a videographer who's who's recording the class, and it's it's basically going to be me teaching. And it'll, the great thing about not doing it as a live class is that not only does the live class not get cheated, 
Um, but you can do close-ups of things and show time delay. So this is what something looks like over time. I find that a lot of people will take something home and that's where the trouble starts. You know, they'll come to a class, they'll learn all this stuff and then they'll take something home and a week later they're emailing me like, I don't know what this is. What do I do? What did I do wrong? So it'll actually have some time delay to it. Um, it'll be a, a virtual class that people can watch on their own time. They'll have a little code to get in and see it. But the cool thing that I think is really neat is they'll actually be able to um, have, I haven't figured out the exact details, but some type of an open forum where in addition to contacting me and asking those questions, what happens now, they'll be able to post it live to this forum where other people who either know more than them or who also took the virtual class can kind of learn from each other. Um, not a totally new concept. I think a lot of universities are using that for their online classes. Um, but I'm really excited. I think, you know, I always have followers on Facebook from over the country who say, I wish I could come to that class. That sounds fun. And so this is a good way to bring it to them and kind of a, a well-produced manner. I've, I've seen some classes done on an iPhone and, you know, they're fine, but you don't get the, the really good high definition, um, visuals that you need like you would have in an actual class definitely and so will this be right now the only way for someone to get any kind of access to that this will is through your kickstarter project correct that's that's currently the only way i suspect if it if it becomes popular and we're it's something like this takes a lot of production and a lot of work um i suspect it'll have to become a separate product just to make it affordable for me um, as a small business owner, I don't have, you know, just $20,000 to throw around. So, um, I, I think it'll become a product later, but for now it's only available through the Kickstarter reward. Can you tell us more about this Kickstarter? I can. Thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> it's like I planted you. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Kickstarter is really exciting. I, as I was learning about fermentation, you know, there you're, your listeners know this, but there are lots of lot of ways to ferment. And the very simplest way is to take a bucket or a crock or some container and submerge things under the brine um, and then, you know, leave it alone. And if you've done a lot of fermentation, you know that you get you frequently get surface mold almost always. I know there are some exceptions, but you frequently get surface mold, which you then scrape off. It's it's not dangerous. You know, as soon as long as you get it relatively soon, it's it doesn't affect the food underneath at all. But I found as I was talking to people that that just really skeeves most people out. <laughs> and, you know, it, it doesn't me. I, I eat all kinds of things that most of my neighbors would be disgusted by. Um, but that's something that a lot of people just couldn't get past. And even my first batch of sauerkraut ever so, so many years ago, I didn't eat it. I made, I mean, this is terrifying, but I made something like five pounds of sauerkraut because that's what the recipe said. And I was using a big bucket. And I think I threw it all away. And, you know, current me is so devastated by that realization, but it is what it is. And so what I wanted to do was make make fermenting much more accessible to people who just really aren't comfortable with that mold. I'd seen a lot of the airlock containers. You can obviously make your own by drilling a hole in a, in a mason jar. But the people that I'm talking about who are creeped out by mold are also not drilling holes in mason jars and finding grommets. And, you know, <laughs> so what I wanted to do was make a a full product that doesn't cost $30 per fermentation setup that would be attractive. 
Um, also not single use. So it was really important to me that I wouldn't take up a big amount of someone's urban pantry space for something that they were going to use, you know, every now and again. So the, the Kickstarter that I put together uses a recap lid, which is actually a lid that was designed to drink smoothies or tea out of a mason jar. It's an adorable lid and it screws onto any wide mouth mason jar. And then it puts a stopper and an airlock on top, um, to make it an airlocked, uh, an airlock fermenting set. So it allows the carbon dioxide that's produced during fermentation to escape, but it doesn't let yeast and mold get down through the airlock into the fermentation. So it's virtually mold free. Um, The other thing that it does is a lot of people like my five pounds of cabbage that I threw away. A lot of people don't want to do a big giant batch of something. They're not even sure they're going to like. So the cool thing about this is you can even use the little tiny eight inch, eight or eight ounce wide mouth Mason jars to do a tiny little fermentation. If you just have a couple carrots and you're going out of town, you chop them up, throw them in that little jar. And when you come home, they're this amazing fermented sour, like a pickle kind of kind of thing. And I feel like that's something most people can wrap their head around. Um, so and plus, when you're done, you know, it, it doesn't take a lot of room up. You can use the, the lid to store your fermented item. It has a cap on the top or you can use it to like right now. Nobody can see this. But at my desk, I have a pint and a half mason jar with the cap on top that I'm drinking water out of. So it's not a single use item. So then with uh, the thought of that, I've never used the recap uh, lid, but plastic, um, when, like if you make kimchi in a mason jar with that lid on, could you then still use that for drinking water out of or does it absorb some of those aromas? You know, kimchi's tough. Um, that's the only one <laughs> that I found will actually absorb over. And where it absorbs isn't actually into the lid. It's into the rubber gasket. So we actually have... A, extra gaskets that you can put in there. And I keep one lid specifically for kimchi because you're so right. That's just so pungent that if it's anything but glass, that's staying. Um, I, I bought a, an electric car this year and the first well, one of the first trips I took in it was to a kimchi class. And I swear that new car scent was gone overnight because it smelled like garlic and ginger. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good point. And, and on the plastic, um, on the plastic vein. It is BPA free and made in the USA. So in general, I'm not a big fan of plastic, but I think that it's such an easy product for people that at least it's got those two two things taken care of that works in its favor. Well, and the plastic is not making contact, correct? It's Exactly. You're supposed to leave about an inch of headspace with this with this product, at least at half an inch at the top. So it shouldn't ever touch the the gasket or the or the plastic lid. So then with uh, this uh, lid, the thing that I think I like the best about the the concept, at least, is that it's not shipping an entire um, glass jar or not. It's not necessary. I mean, it can go on anything. And that's like the most expensive part of, of shipping is glass that can break and different things like that. So it's great that this can just kind of seal on, but like with plastic, I think you mentioned it, but with plastic lids in general, like Mason jar lids used for storing grains or different things like that, uh, screwing those on, they're not a complete absolute airtight, um, seal. So do these recap lids have little, um, rubber gaskets in them along with that rubber grommet? 
Yeah, in fact, they were designed by a small business owner just like me who's super excited about this fermenting project. She's she's maybe the only person in the world who's as excited about it as I am. But she actually designed the lids because she was so frustrated with all those leaky lids that are out there. And so it was really the most important thing for her was that you could drink out of this cap without it leaking all over your shirt or your chin. And so the they went through a couple of iterations. So I actually know that some of the first batches were a tad leaky, but now they're super airtight. They actually wouldn't work as an airlock if they weren't airtight like that. So they, uh, the mold would get in. Um, so yeah, they are tight and that's one of the best things about it. You can actually use it for so many other things that will actually keep things fresh. Um, it doesn't have that leaky factor. And like I said, the gaskets, <clears throat> that's the only thing that could have some wear and tear over time and they are replaceable, which is nice. Well, an- another question uh, in regard to this this cap: Why choose a um, an already made cap uh, product as opposed to like say rolling your own or making your own? Do you have any thoughts behind that, or was there a plan? Yeah, I do. So people can definitely make their own, and they do. Um, this this is definitely not it's not rocket science, but just like people can drill a hole in the top of a, in the top of a Mason jar and put in a grommet, you can do that yourself. You can go to a brew store. If you know, if you have one locally, a lot of people don't, we do, we're lucky that way and try every single little stopper until you find one that fits into any hole that you have in the top of a Mason jar and make it work. But you know, my whole business concept is to make things easy for people. You can, you can make your own furniture if you want, but I don't want to. I have other things I care much more about. So this this concept is to to take the person who's curious about something. And you know, before I launched the Kickstarter, I actually um, I, I actually had this product at a couple of festivals, like the Maker Fair. And the cool thing was, people who didn't even know the difference between vinegar pickles and fermented food had never tasted anything fermented in their lives. But they had vaguely heard on public radio that it was good for them. They saw these beautiful displays. And if, if you watch the Kickstarter video, you guys probably have. But if your listeners watch it, the vegetables are gorgeous. They really are beautiful. And you can cut up almost anything and put it in a saltwater brine, and it's stunning. So the display brought people over because it's pretty and it looks science-y. So, you know, it actually appeals to men, whereas a lot of uh, cooking items that I sell – they draw in women. So men and women, young people, older people would all come over and ask what it was. And they were fascinated. They were never going to go drill a hole in a, in a mason jar lid. But this made it easy. All they had to do was pour in a cup of water with a couple teaspoons of salt, and it made something delicious. So, you know, I found that there was a huge interest in just having something easy they could take home and try. And so that's really my audience. If you've already, you know, designed your own fermentation sets, I actually had one girl say, you know, I've made my own, and I think it's awesome, and I'm glad I did it. But I'm also buying yours, too, because I want to support your business. I love that you're bringing it to additional people. So, you know, there, there are lots of different people out there. They're all going to do their own thing. But there's a, there's a huge need for this. It needs to be made easy for people. Well, and it definitely seems like by Kickstarter that uh, you have, obviously, a lot of people that are very interested in this. You've already met your goal. And you still have, as the time of this recording, which is being recorded a few days before where it's going to go out, but you have 37 days left. And you've already <laughs> surpassed what are what's so what's from here? Like uh, what 
is there any, are there going to be any stretch goals uh, or anything else? Like if you get to an even higher point? Yeah. So, you know, part of, part of the answer to that question requires understanding Kickstarter a little bit. Um, the way Kickstarter works is that people put a project out and if the project is, um, is interesting, then people can pledge money. You get a reward, which is in my case, the recap fermenting set. And if I don't meet my goal, no one's card gets charged, no one gets rewards and I, my project fails. So what a lot of people do is they, and you're supposed to set your goal at the very minimum amount it would take to get your project off the ground. So that's what I did. My, my actual real goal, my personal goal where I really need to make it happen is 25,000. Um, and that sounds like a lot of money, but if you've ever done a Kickstarter, you know that the amount you get out of that is only about 10% after you've fulfilled the rewards and done all of that. So it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's a little misleading, but the 15,000 was the minimum amount I'd have to bring in. That's the goal I put on Kickstarter to actually make this project happen. And then I'm hoping that I can get to the 25,000 level. There's a little trending tool that tells you where they think you'll get. And it's currently saying they think we'll make 28,000. So that's really exciting. That, that will actually fulfill my goal. It'll pay the artists that, uh, that designed the, uh, the packaging. It'll take care of, you know, my friend, um, my friend Fran, who did the video from um, Free Range Puppies. If you haven't seen the video, he's amazing. There are two videos on the Kickstarter. You have to watch the bottom one. It's the best. But the top one is good, too. Um, so it'll take care of all the people who kind of helped me along the way. And yeah, I think we'll get there. I'm really excited. Well, congratulations on already meeting your, your goal. And that's uh, exciting to hear that you're most likely going to get to where you want to be. I mean, 37 days left. I mean, I guess 36, 34 days by the time this goes out, but uh, you have plenty of time. Yeah. And you know, I think the reason we've done so well is not only that it makes it easy for people and people can understand it, but I have a huge, I mean, you know this, I have a huge community of fermenters who are, who are behind this project. So one of the really cool things about, about Kickstarter is that in the rewards, um, one of the reasons you don't actually get much revenue from Kickstarter in the end is because it costs a lot of money to ship rewards so um, and, and to fulfill rewards. So one of the things that I did was put together an electronic recipe collection, which is a bonus collection. It doesn't normally come with the set, so eventually the set will be available retail, but you won't get this. Um, with, with fermenters and food writers who have submitted their own amazing recipes and the recipes are all designed to be used with the set. So I, you submitted a recipe to me, right? I think I have yours already. Um, some of the other amazing people who have submitted recipes are Jane at Fermenters Kitchen, Sean Timberlake, who I mentioned already, Amanda Fickle, who I think you've had on your podcast before. Um, some really incredible people, Erica Strauss at Northwest Edible Life. So these people like the product. They like the project. They like the, the idea of bringing fermentation to a wider community. And they've done a huge job of helping me promote the Kickstarter and really get it to the point where it runs itself. Um, one of the hardest things is getting people to go there, but once people go there, they start sharing and it becomes organic. And so, you know, I feel like most of my success or much of my success is due to those people who have had my back. And that's, that's a really exciting thing about Kickstarter. It's very community building. Yeah, this is, uh, this is great. And again, congratulations on this. And, uh, do you have any parting, parting words? 
Um, you know, I, I appreciate being invited on. Thanks so much. I love your podcasts. They're really exciting. And I'll be sure to share this one. I, I'll check and see when it comes out. But check out the Kickstarter. Also, farmcurious.com. You can pre-order the fermenting set there if you'd prefer not to use Kickstarter. But thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for thanks for being on. And Alice and I will have to have you on again at a future time because I know this were, there was a uh, crunch on time getting this in. I'm glad we were able to squeeze it in a little shorter show, but I think we should have you back in the future um, after this is all done and maybe when you have a little bit more time and we can uh, get on and just geek out about fermentation a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. I haven't really had much to... Um, I have a lot of questions that are like supplemental questions, but um, I think that what you're doing is really great and really cool. And so we, we definitely need to have you back. Thanks. I'd love to be on again. And so sorry for the crunch. I'm actually teaching a three cheeses in three hours class. Um, I have to leave in, in about 45 minutes. So that's why the crunch. But you guys have been amazing. I appreciate it. Hey, we'll have fun at your workshop today. Thanks so much. Take care, guys. So Yeah. And so if anyone can find the show notes on firmup.com slash podcast slash 65, and uh, we'll be, be sure to put everything that's mentioned along with the Kickstarter and uh, links to the videos and everything else. And so uh, otherwise, you can follow us on uh, at firmup on Twitter or on Facebook at firmup. And until next time, firm up. <laughs>